and welcome to today's episode of the Pipeline ACC Podcast. I am Dan Siegel from ACC Content. I am joined as always by Jason Gibbs. Jason, how are we doing today? Dan, loving this time of year. Conference tournaments have kicked off, are kicking off. Selection Sunday, merely seven days away. Yup, Selection Sunday, just seven days away. Four teams already have automatic bids by winning their conference tournaments. Liberty, Winthrop, Loyola Chicago, and Moorhead State, they will all be dancing. We will determine the rest of the automatic bids this coming week. We will determine who will be the rest of the at-large bids come uh, Selection Sunday, which will be seven days from right now when we record it. So lots of exciting stuff coming up. We will have you prepared during, during this entire episode. We will start with a little recap of this weekend. We will then be joined by Zach Carey from Locker Room Access to talk some UVA stuff and some general ACC implications going into the March um, madness. And we will finally do some awards. So ACC player individual awards. I came out with an article earlier today and we will, Jason will kind of react to that and then we will give some additional awards and then finally we will actually preview the conference tournament but you ready to get into some ACC action from last weekend let's do it man all right so Friday night game of the year Miami Boston College Miami wins 80 to 76 Uh, Georgia Tech also that night beating Wake Forest 75 to 63 yeah we got Clemson beating Pitt 77 to 62 on Saturday. So the Tigers finish 14 and two in months, not named January, 15 and six overall. So they went three and four by that math in January. (laughs) Notre Dame beating Florida state 83 to 73. Fighting Mike Brays, huh? Yeah. I mean, I guess on senior night, they really took to heart the fire Mike Bray chance and they played for him. You like to see it. Love it. Huge upset, and it shows Florida State's low floor. And speaking of low fl- floor, Jason, do you have our factoid of the day? Factoid of the day. Florida State has five losses on the year. Three of those losses have come to teams in which the only ranked team that they've beaten all year is Florida State. So we've talked about their high ceiling, but we've also talked about their low floor, and it's just kind of strange that sometimes they can play lights out and look like a Final Four caliber team, and then other times they're losing to teams that haven't beaten a ranked team all year. Those teams are UCF, Notre Dame, as you mentioned, and UNC. I forgot about that UCF loss. You're right. We've had some bad losses out of conference. I mean, regarding this game, it's not a huge win for Notre Dame in that it will like get them into the tournament but what it did do is allowed UVA to win the ACC regular season title with a win themselves so UVA beat Louisville Sam Hauser really carrying this offense 24 points and the most interesting part was they took out their key offensive players late in the game and it was their B team basically the UVA backups that locked the Cardinals down defensively Well, you called it on our last episode, right? You said UVA uh, has Louisville's number, and that seemed to come to fruition. 
And who would have thought a couple weeks ago after Florida State blew the, their doors off that they could ever come back and, and uh, pass them and win the ACC. But credit to Tony Bennett and uh, his staff and all their players. Yep. Top two in the conference by year. 2018, Virginia Duke. 2019, Virginia UNC. 2020, Florida State, Virginia. 2021, Virginia, Florida State. I mean, besides Florida State, you notice the common theme here. <laughs> yeah, great job by the Cavaliers. I mean, uh, like I said, you know, they were we kind of we kind of written them off a little bit, and then Florida State's low floor play came into um, came into play. I guess I should say again, and uh, I don't know. Here we are, Wahoos, top two again. Top two again. I mean, Tony Bennett has really dominated this conference it's crazy but yeah speaking of blue bloods that have not necessarily dominated the conference but did play in a matchup i mean it's still the best rivalry it didn't really live up to the usual duke unc games but north carolina did beat duke 91 to 73 the tar heels got it done by getting to the line and what else did they do jason they shot well from the outside. Could you believe it? Yeah, well, we, you know, we said if they sh shoot well from the outside, they're a totally different team. Uh, they don't do that often, but they've done it twice this year against Duke, and they've beaten them handily both times. Really, this has got to be one of the worst Duke teams we've seen in a while. They finished the regular season 11-11. and 11. Just, I mean, they were never in this game whatsoever. Even late, they were trying to press – to try and make it look somewhat respectable and it still really wasn't working. They just don't have that athleticism. They don't have as many uh, shot makers. Uh, just think, think back to what was it? Two years ago, two short years ago, they had three lottery picks. I mean, it's almost impossible to imagine three guys on that, this particular team, even making the NBA, much less being a lottery pick. So Blue Devils have a lot of work to do in the offseason. Yeah, they don't even have – I mean, I guess Matthew Hurt, you could consider him a star. He was up there for ACC play of the year. But in terms of freshmen, they didn't have anybody that really came in there and made that much of an impact as past years, like Vernon Carey last year, 2019, obviously, Zion Williamson, 2018, Marvin Bagley. They, they've had somebody pretty much every single year. They've had Trey Jones as well, who played two very good years. I mean – it's just a completely different Duke team. And yeah, they're not making the tournament unless they really make a surprising run. They probably have to win the ACC tournament, if not get to the championship in order to get to the big dance. Especially with some of the other teams around the country, like Michigan State, putting in uh, important wins at an important time of the year. Duke's kind of going the opposite way. And, you know, we tweeted out, this is the Jalen Johnson redemption tour right because once he left the team and duke kind of took off everyone said oh he was the problem and they kind of settled back to earth and realized he actually wasn't the problem they just don't really have that well constructed of a team one thing to keep an eye on if for some reason things go south at Pitt, just really curious if capel would jeff capel would come back and rejoin the blue devils coaching staff does he even have the resume to do that, though? Well, you mean as the head coach or an assistant? 
Oh, assistant, of course. Okay. I thought you meant like the next person after Coach K. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, you know, of course there's always rumblings. He was their bag man, whatever. That's the internet talking. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But the point is, is he did really well there as an assistant. Things are kind of starting to go off the track at Pitt. Maybe a return to Durham is, you know, the panacea. Maybe. That's a good point you bring up. But, yeah, before we get too much on Duke and a team that's not making the tournament, do you want to quickly get into some scores around the country and see what happened this past weekend? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so we had 17th-ranked Oklahoma State beating West Virginia, 6th-ranked West Virginia, without Cade Cunningham. Providence upsetting 10th-ranked Villanova. So Virginia Tech loses without even playing because their best win of the season was against Villanova. Now Villanova keeps losing. That's not good for their bracketology. (laughs) Fourth-ranked Illinois over 7th-ranked Ohio State. And we had Michigan and Michigan State. They split. So Michigan wins the first game. No big deal. That's what's supposed to happen. But Michigan State upsets Michigan. That's huge for them, and it's also huge for Michigan trying to stay on that one line. True. So Sparty has now beaten Michigan, Illinois, and Ohio State this year. Three really, really great wins. That's just part of the Big Ten. So tough, so deep. Oklahoma State without Kate Cunningham, like you said, going on the road to West Virginia. You know, I've touted West Virginia a few times about how battle tested they are but at some point they got to win these games they they keep being battle tested but they keep losing them so huggy bear needs to pull it together a little bit but keep an eye on okie state yeah maybe something for um in the future of this episode you'll foreshadowing but um are you ready to bring on zach to talk about some uva implications going into the tournament and kind of talk about what happened this season yeah let's do it so we are now joined by zach carry uva blogger from locker room access zach how you doing today i'm doing well guys uh thanks for having me on it's a lot of fun yeah no problem so uva on saturday gets it done once again wins the acc regular season title for the third time in four years i mean you guys have all the success. Does it ever get boring just always being at the top? You know, I mean, it's it's pretty special. Um, you definitely have to kind of pinch yourself and and just look back. I mean, the last four years, you know, three titles, I guess they shared it with UNC in 2019 and then a second place last year, just a game out. I mean, it's, it's pretty awesome. And I think especially going into Saturday, I mean, I was kind of convinced FSU was going to uh, take care of Notre Dame. Um, and when I sort of turned on that game, I think a couple of minutes in, it was 19 to five. And, um, you know, it's, it's a whirlwind of a day and it, it's pretty, pretty dang exciting. I mean, we've come to expect it, I think a little bit too much. Um, and the UVA fan base is uh, probably too high of expectations sometimes, but I mean, never get tired of winning. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a nice, uh, nice little quick turnaround after a three game losing streak. And then to, to pick up two wins in the ACC regular season title like that, um, feeling good going into postseason play. Zach, let me ask you, they, uh, Virginia, obviously they, they, we just talked about, they, they uh, finished first again. This team though, doesn't seem quite as matchup proof as maybe some of the other 
teams in, in the last few years, especially the the title team. So what's a what's a team that kind of you're you're not sure the Cavs they're gonna match up well against? What what type of team? Yeah, I mean, I think we've we've seen their um, issues exploited a good amount. I mean, I think Florida State is probably. Um, the prime example of that, obviously, you know, Florida state is, is uh, probably much better at home than they are on the road and they're a high variance team. But I mean, what we saw when, when Virginia headed down to Tallahassee in that game um, you know, w- with FSU's size, their ability to switch everything um, you know, on ball screens, off ball screens, you know, th- that's an issue because UVA uh, more than ever this season is reliant on specific offensive sets, right? Tony Bennett always likes to run sort of continuity based offenses, but especially when you have this team and you don't really have guards that are looking to create shots for themselves, teams that are willing to switch defensively and can get away with it. Um, it, it they're, they pose a big problem, especially because although the UVA big men are very talented, Sam Hauser's great. Jay Huff is phenomenal. Neither of them are bruisers. They're not really going to take like a, a mismatch down low and just kind of get an easy bucket off that or, or create um you know the, the mismatch isn't quite as valuable you know they can shoot over guys but they're not really putting a, a shoulder into anybody and so athletic teams like that that, that are willing to switch defensively yeah i mean that just it's a matchup night, nightmare for the who's so let's say uva does end up fixing some of these issues and they end up making a sort of surprise in the postseason they finally start to beat good teams let's say. Mm-hmm. So aside from Hauser and Huff, obviously being themselves playing to their highest potential, what do you think has to happen? Maybe an X factor player that's not on everybody in the conference's radar. What do you think? Who do you think has to be the guy and what do you think has to happen for Virginia to take that next step into the postseason? Yeah, I think it's, it's Trey Murphy. Um, and, and not that he is some hidden weapon or anything, but I think this year he's been used mostly as a, as a guy to stretch the floor. You know, he's hitting, I think, over 45% of his threes on uh, some considerable volume. Um, but what we saw against Louisville a little bit was him playing in sort of the high post, in sort of a DeAndre Hunter area. Um, and, and I think that, you know, that's the comp that everyone loves to make with, with Trey. Um, and I think that if they can incorporate him as a scorer off the bounce a little bit more, giving him some more one-on-one opportunities, because he is a bit of a matchup nightmare because he can shoot over the top and he's got the length – uh, and the finishing ability and the hops to, to get to the rim. Um, if they can, you know, start utilizing him more as a go-to scorer rather than just a complimentary option, I think that that opens up a ton for the offense. And then I just say maybe some improved play from the guards. I think Kihei Clark is actually, um, you know, UVA, uh, it's very, he's a very controversial player. Um, but I do think that he struggled a bit of late. If he can start hitting a couple more shots, get a little bit more confident from three, um, he's going to, it's just going to give them so much. It's going to make life easier for them on offense. Where do you see this UVA team compared to the previous UVA teams? You know, we've obviously know all about how they've done in the postseason 2019 versus 2020. We don't have to say it because everybody says it on every single broadcast, but do you, where do you see this compared to those past two UVA teams and even in the most previous, like, you know, four or five years ago plus? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that if you're really looking at a, at a sort of stretch of time, you look back to sort of seven years ago, eight seasons, 2014. Um, I think that this is a very good team. Um, I, I think that like comparing it to last year, it's tough and comparing it to 2019 is, is difficult as well. Um, it's, 
it's just the defense doesn't quite as have high of a, as high of a ceiling. They're not going to be able to carry. Um, I think that that's pretty obvious. They're not going to be able to carry the team like past teams were. Um, and the guard play isn't quite what it has been in the past, um, you know, with Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome. And you look back 2015, 2016, you had Malcolm Brogdon, Len Prentice. Uh, 2013, 2014, you had Joe Harris, Malcolm Brogdon, Len Prentice. Um, it's, it's hard to compare, but if, if you kind of look at like the eight teams since Tony Bennett really hit his stride, I think this team is like maybe fifth, sixth, seventh kind of area. They're not really like a top, top tier Tony Bennett team at UVA, which is crazy to say since they won the ACC yes, uh, on, on Saturday. And um, there's obviously a lot of hype right there, but you know, it, it's a, it's a good team that can beat a lot of teams, maybe beat just about anybody um, when they're on their best day, but they can also lose to a lot of teams as we've seen. So um, I think that they have a, the chance to make a run. Um, I'm not counting on it by any means, but you know, why not? I mean, the, when Sam Hauser is shooting like he did yesterday, Trey Murphy's getting to the rim um, and Jay Huff gets his touches, you know, this offense is very, very good. And the defense is, is good enough. Um, so, you know, the possibility is there for a run, but uh you know, we'll have to see. Zach, do you think um, they cut down the nets in Greensboro or do you see, just, just give me your ACC championship prediction. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, UVA fans are going to love this. I, I think FSU wins the ACC championship. Um, and I, I think that Georgia Tech upsets UVA in the semifinals. Um, mm. I really like what I've seen from them of late. And I think six, six straight wins to close out the regular season. Um, you know, they're, they're putting things together at the right time. So is UVA, but um, beating a team, you know, it's a, it's the cliche, but beating a team three times in one season is difficult. And UVA has two close wins over Georgia tech. Um, and I think that the tech might just have the formula this, this third time around, I'm expecting UVA to beat um, either NC state or Syracuse and, and Georgia tech to, to win their uh, quarterfinal game as well. But I think that um, UVA drops a game to Georgia tech and that, that FSU takes care of business in the, in the championship. Zach, let me ask you, I think this year was re really an interesting year as far as um, top players go in the ACC, especially comparing it to years of the past. So who do you have as your ACC player of the year? Yeah, so it's probably not surprising, um, especially if you follow me on Twitter. But, um, you know, I, I got Sam Hauser winning it. I think uh, before yesterday, I was kind of set on Moses Wright. I, I kind of thought that he had it locked up. And then when UVA took the regular season title and, and Sam Hauser put on that performance yesterday, um, you know, going in then I had Sam Hauser close second. And I just think he bumped in with that performance yesterday. Um, I think that Sam makes this team go in a lot of ways. Um, you know, some of the, some of the defensive struggles that he had at the beginning of the year in non-con play have been addressed and fixed and, and he's um, been good uh, defensively. He's not great. He's not DeAndre Hunter or some of the other um, power forwards that they've had in the past, but um, he, he's been fine there. You know, he, he played well against Justin Jimpenny when, when they played Pitt. Um, he was good um, playing against a couple of bigger players when they played against UNC. And so, um, you know, I, I'm not knocking him for his defense and then he makes this offense go. Zach, thank you very much for your insight. Before we go, just, I know you have your blog and your podcast going on at Locker Room Access. Is there anything that you wanted to plug with any of that? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, on Locker Room Access, me and my guy, uh, Joe Boxley, actually just just launched uh, our own podcast called Hoops on Grounds based on the fact that, that uh, he's a student at UVA now and I will be next year. Um, so just want to shout that out if you wanted to hear more from me um, about UVA basketball. And then I, I got a big story coming in the next couple of days about UVA's uh, big 2020 
to commit uh, Isaac McNeely. So, you know, I'd, I'd love it if people check that out. For sure. I'll definitely check that out. And I will advise everybody else to check that out as well. But Zach, thank you very much for coming on and have a good night. So thank you very much to Zach. Once again, that was some good stuff that he provided on UVA. And one thing that he mentioned about Florida state, you know, their team that could beat UVA and expose their flaws on a good night. But he mentioned the term high variance about Florida state and you know, that what that means is basically they, like we all say high ceiling and low floor. And speaking of low floors, actually, is there somebody that's down bad this weekend? Down bad. Actually there is. Uh, I don't know if you guys had a chance to see this kind of wild highlight, but in division two, West Liberty took on Glenville State. West Liberty built a pretty big lead, and I think around 15 points with like three minutes or so to go. Glenville State storms back, ties it up with just a few seconds left. West Liberty inbounds the ball, streaks down the court, hits a a buzzer beater, game-winning three, 95-92. The down bad part is, and you really got to see the clip. We'll, we'll post it on Twitter so you can take a look at it. Is a Glenville State guy gets caught up in the West Liberty celebration as they're diving on the, the, the guy who made the game winning shot. And he actually ends up in the pile and they all dive on top of him. So you just gave up a game winning shot to lose your, your, in, in your conference tournament. And now you have to celebrate at the bottom of a pile of the opponent. Unbelievable. That is honestly a point that's hilarious, but <laughs> I, Hey, we're covering D2 stuff now though. That's we've come Nick Edwards, way. by the way, is his name. Glenville state. We've come a long way at the pod. Start yeah, with the ACC. Now we're covering division two. Hey, can't stop. Won't stop, man. That being said, uh, let's move on to our, awards segment of the pod so as you guys know who follow me on twitter i released my awards for acc individual players as well as some other conferences or not really conferences but just you know a general all-american team and a general Allman major team so before we get into our other awards i wanted to first ask you jason what were your reaction? Did, were you kind of surprised by any of them? Did you disagree? Did you agree? What did you think? Well, I mean, Zach just touched on it. So you, you're, you, you know, for Player of the Year, you have Moses Wright, and and this has been really a hell of a, a, a award to win this year because so many guys we're almost splitting hairs, right? You have Moses Wright, Matthew Hurt, Justin Champagny, um, Hauser, obviously from from UVA, and just a really i mean it's going to be it's going to be interesting how the actual vote shakes out but i I think your pick was i don't think you'd go wrong with with any of those guys but good solid pick and as you mentioned it would be georgia tech's first player of the year since dennis scott in 1990 yeah also i had i think my all-american team my first four jared butler iodesumu Corey kisper and luca garza that all made sense I thought I would get some questions on Evan Mobley. I didn't really, but the reason I had him, he's from USC center. He was a good scorer. He was not 
an elite scorer in as far as the country goes, but he was one of the best in the Pac-12, and he was a lockdown defender compared to other power conference teams in the country. I mean, if you look at the defensive win shares, that's my favorite stat for defense. He was in the lead for power conferences, and it was not even close. So that's my Evan Mobley pick, showing him some love from USC. Pac-12 after dark. I mean, they say we have East Coast bias. Well, here, I don't have an ACC guy, and I have a Pac-12 guy. So you can't say that now. (laughs) What did you think of my Mike Young Coach of the Year pick? Well, I don't think any of us picked Virginia Tech really in the top two-thirds of the ACC, right? Most of us had them down in the probably 13th best range, maybe. So – that was a great pick. I'm sure Hokie fans are excited. You know, he really did. He's really done a great job with that roster and with that team and, and turning them around quickly. You know, they had some success a few years ago with buzz and uh, he left kind of left leaving a vacuum and Mike young comes in and uh, top three team in the conference. Yeah. Top three. And I mean, it's, it's crazy because, I mean, Buzz did well with them. They were kind of in a similar mold. You know, they were a top 25 team all year, two years ago. They made it to the Sweet 16. But when you have all that player, you know, all these players in, all these players out, you don't expect it to re- get rebuilt in the span of two years, especially you lost two years ago. You lost Kerry Blackshear to Florida. I mean, that was their key guy. So right. very good yeah. job by Mike Young. You want to get to our other awards, so – you guys could on your own time feel free to check out the link to my awards and the full list. I had three ACC All-American teams, ACC Player of the Year All-American team for the NCAA, ACC All-Freshman team, ACC All-Defense team, Coach of the Year, and mid-major all, all mid-major team. So I have a lot of awards, a lot of players represented, but we figured we would on our podcast provide some unique content and give some other accolades, we'll start with ones that you'll typically see in the NBA. And the first one we'll do is our most improved players. So, Jason, who's your most improved player in the ACC from 2020 season to the 2021 season? I think you have to go with uh, Justin Champagne from Pittsburgh. Now, it's not like he was bad last year. He, he was solid. But this year, he's really just taking it up a notch. You know, averaging a double-double, 18.4 points a game. 11.1 rebounds a game, uh, leads the league in, in rebounds. He's second in scoring. Just really in a kind of otherwise relatively dismal year with Pittsburgh, especially with some of the behind-the-scenes issues that they've been going through and players leaving. He's been the one constant. He's going to be great day in and day out. So Champagne most improved for me. I'm going to go with Keve Aluma. So – seven-point-per-game player at Wofford two years ago, and he came to Virginia Tech. I'm sticking by that theme of players coming into Mike Young's system and helping them thrive right away because he was basically irrelevant at Wofford, came off the bench, you know, made a small impact, and he became one of the best players in a much better conference than the ACC. So that's what I have for most improved player of the year. Our next one will be our sixth man of the year, and I'm curious who you have for this because there's a couple of options, but who'd you go with for six man of the year? 
for six man, I went with Clemson's Alamir Dawes. And, you know, he started out a little slower, uh, didn't quite, what uh, um, wasn't quite the level that he kind of finished the year. You know, obviously we know about Amir Sims. He's leading the league or leading his team in scoring and rebounding. But especially the last few games, Dawes really picked it up 19, 11, and 21 off the bench in his last three games. 40% from three-point range, so six man of the year. Got to go with the Clemson Tiger, Alamir Dawes. I love that pick. I don't even know if mine counts because he started the year as a starter, but if he does because he did play a majority of his games off the bench, I'm going to go with Florida State Scotty Barnes. Mm. I just, I mean, you could basically pick a lot of Florida State players. The way they play, they have so many impact players that come off the bench on a nightly basis. Their whole bench. Pick their whole bench. <laughs> yeah. I mean, your pick, you basically you have like 10, 12 players to choose from. But Yeah, and you've talked a lot about that and, and that how that adds to Leonard Hamilton's ability to match up and versatility. And guys, you're never worried about foul trouble. There's a guy right behind him. You're never worried about fatigue. There's a guy right behind him. So, Scotty Barnes, great pick. Yeah. And he played less than 24 and a half minutes per game yet was a double figure scorer on average. So that's pretty efficient right there. Yeah. All right. Next award is most underrated player is not really an official award on anything, but something we could give on the podcast on our pipeline ACC podcast, who is your most underrated ACC player? I'm going to go back to how we, I think we mentioned this to start the show, the fighting Mike Braze, and I'm going to go with Prentice hub from Notre Dame. Now, he leads the conference in assists, averages 14 points a game. Um, I don't think he gets a lot of love. And I know Notre Dame's not one of the necessarily blue bloods and the top-ranked teams or whatever. But he's, he's kind of out of the radar, especially for someone leading the, the conference in assists. Now, I would like to see him cut down on his turnovers. But Prentice Hub, underrated player of the year in the ACC. Now – you know about that baseball thing? I don't know if you're a big baseball fan, but you know about the new thing in the MLB, the three outcomes, the strikeout, home run, and walk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yep. The three, the three true outcomes. I feel like that's basically what's going to happen when Prentice Hobbs brings the ball off the court. It's always going to be on him. It's either going to be an assist, it's going to be a turnover, or it's, or it's going to be a three-pointer. Everything <laughs> is in the hands of Prentice hub, but that's we just need him. We just need him to cut down to two two outcomes, right? An assist yeah. or three pointer. Exactly. Two out of three of them are good. But my most underrated player is going to be Alan Griffin from Syracuse. He didn't go on any of my all ACC teams. He, I don't think he was on anything, but he averaged 15 points per game. He was a dangerous three point shooter, especially as the season progressed. And he played very solid defense, played at the four spot, but could guard smaller players as well. So that's who I have. Alan Griffin from Syracuse showing nice orange, some love. The, the next one we have is the, this is a team accolade. Which team do you think will have the biggest difference in wins from this year to next? It could be a good one. Good difference. You win more games or it'd be a bad. Mm. Win fewer games. Okay. So it could be plus or minus. Yeah. I can't, I know we talked about it, the, this is uh, one of the worst Duke teams we've seen in a while. I can't imagine them staying down, right? They, they finished the season 11 and 11. 
very uninspiring. They're obviously going to have a good recruiting class when all when all is said and done. A Hall of Fame coach Mike Shashevsky. I, I think they'll get back on it. I, I don't necessarily know that it's going to be like it was, you know, two years ago when they had the, the three lottery picks, but got to improve from 11 11. No, I agree. I think the clear choice would be Duke. I'm going to pick a different one, but it is going to be in the positive direction. So I'm actually picking Wake Forest. I'm very okay. faithful in what they could do with Steve Forbes and rebuilding that program pretty quickly. I think if you do the math, so Duke wins nine ACC games this year. Let's say they improve it to 14, 14 and six. That seems like a realistic number for Duke, right? Like a realistically good number for Duke. Yeah. Wake could have a losing uh, record in conference play next year, which I think they still might have. I think nine and 11 is a good prediction Mm -hmm. and they could still surpass that. There'll be six more wins than this Hmm. year. So that's why I'm thinking that wake might have a bigger increase in wins than Duke, but one of the two is definitely the choice to go for that. I don't think anybody will drastically decrease just because there'll be fewer games. So are there'll be more games or fewer games this year. So right gonna work that way all right our final award will be a prediction award another one for next year but player so when we come back we just did our uh, breakout player of the year for 2021 most improved what about for 2022 who's your prediction for an underclassman that will take that next step and when we have this podcast a year from now we'll be talking about for most improved player so i'm gonna sort of st- we, we just talked about the team that will improve. And I think one reason for me, Duke will improve what will be their center, Mark Williams. He's kind of shown me stuff. You know, he's a, a freshman, seven foot, uh, seven foot zero uh, center. And his l- last four games, he's gone for 18, eight, and then 20 and 18. So three out of the last four games, he's had at least 18 points. Uh, you know, they got blown off the court by UNC, but he still put up 18, um, 70% from the field. I really like his potential. He only averaged six points on the year, but he, he has some of that athleticism that, that right now Duke's missing. So has a chance to, you know, get a little stronger, uh, work on his game a little more. Needs to up his free throw percentage, only a 53% free throw shooter. So, you don't want a hack a shack situation where you you become dominant down low, so they just start fouling you every every uh, time down the court. So needs to up that. But my most improved player next year will be Mark Williams. I have. I'm also sticking in the North Carolina in terms of the state, but I'm going with North Carolina State's Cam Hayes. So he played well as a freshman. He started to come on in the absence of Devin Daniels and with Beverly likely leaving next year, he will play a much bigger role. And I really like him a lot. I think NC state actually has several freshmen that could make a pretty big jump from this year to next, just given how well they've played during this winning streak. But Cam Hayes, I think, especially he was a pretty highly rated recruit if I remember correctly. So that's who I'm going with for my breakout player of the year come 2021 to 2022. You heard it here first. Yeah, we'll definitely bring these up next year and we'll see how right or completely wrong we were. That'll be fun <laughs> to see. 
But yeah, without further ado, though, we have conference tournaments coming up. So let's get into predicting that. So we have the bracket out in front of us. If we look, so it's the four teams that are on a double bye will be one Virginia, two Florida State, three Virginia Tech, four Georgia Tech. Then the teams that got single buys will be five Clemson, six North Carolina, seven Louisville. And then Syracuse and NC State will be the eight and nine that play each other. And on the first day, we'll have 10th ranked Duke play 15th ranked Boston College, 12th ranked Pitt play 13th ranked Miami, and 11th ranked Notre Dame play 14th ranked Wake Forest. So before we get into that, before we get into our predictions, we'll do a lot of uh, exciting prediction segments, but let's just look at the bracketology here. So we have, if I'm counting correctly, I think we'll have seven teams in at the moment. We have Virginia, Florida State, Clemson, Virginia Tech, obviously. Georgia Tech is in good position, as is North Carolina. And then we have Louisville and Syracuse on the first, on the last four in, and the first four out is North Carolina State. So they have a 16% chance of getting in, but they are, I think if they win a couple games in this ACC tournament, North Carolina State could be that team to sneak in the big dance. You know, it's funny because earlier this year, we were talking on the pod how Wolfpack fans wanted to get Kevin Keats fired. <laughs> and they've kind of turned it around, right? Five in a row. Yeah, five in a row. And it, I mean, they started out the season really well. I don't know if you remember that because it was so long ago, but they started out really well on a winning streak. Then they won a huge losing streak. Now they're back on a winning streak. So, you know, your ups and downs just got to come at the right time, I guess. And, you know, hopefully for PAC fans, it will continue into the ACC tournament and potentially into the NCAA tournament. So for our pipe locks, by the way, just to recap of last weekend, I had Notre Dame plus eight, just had to flex that because that was a really good pick. They ended up winning, or they covered the eight-point spread by a lot more than eight, I should say. So I am 1-0 and on the season. I liked your wake pick, but they ended up losing by 13. You had wake plus nine, so you take the first take, game and take the loss. the loss. Let's read off the spreads, though. We got or the projected spread. So we don't have necessarily official spreads, but here are the projected spreads. We will make our picks based off of these. And as it turned out last week's turned out to be pretty accurate, the projections versus the actual. So we have Pitt minus four and a half against Miami. We have Duke minus nine and a half against Boston college. We have Notre Dame minus eight against wake. And we have a pick them between NC state and Syracuse pipe block of the week. Jason, where are we going with? I thought about riding Wake Forest again, riding them into oblivion, making you look even better. But I'm actually going to go with the team we just talked about, NC State. Hot at the right moment, right? We're pick them against Syracuse. Only 16% to get in. But you can't get in if you don't win the first one. So they definitely have to win the first one. And uh, they did in the, in the season with five in a row. Uh, so... I kind of like the Wolfpack, maybe to make a little bit of noise here. I'm going to pick Pittsburgh minus four and a half against Miami. I'm not really confident about any of these. I'm just, I think NC State Syracuse is a complete 50-50 game. Yeah. 
Um, these but, are these are tough. These are tough spreads. These are these yeah. are definitely tough spreads. Which means that they're good spreads. Yeah, that's that's how Vegas wants it, right? Both yeah. Same amount of people on each side of the number. So. I just my pit uh, reasoning is I know they've lost some players, but I I think that they're a little bit better than four and a half points better than Miami. I really have no confidence in what Miami could do. I mean, their their numbers are probably just inflated by a huge by a couple of weird wins early in the season for example they beat louisville i don't know how but let's get to our championship pick so zach picked florida state over georgia tech i i'm gonna completely agree with that to be honest i think he brought up great points he's swayed me i've already had florida state in my championship and as my winner and I, he swayed me enough to pick Georgia Tech as the runners-up over Virginia or somebody else on that side of the bracket. I simply think they're just the best team in the conference, Florida State. And when it comes down to who could be anybody on a given night, they're going to be the best. Now, they are prone to get upset early, and that would be pretty good for the ACC getting some more bids. But Virginia lost to each of the top two, both by double digits. So they may have the highest floor, but they also have the lowest ceiling. And I just – I'm not sure I'm ready to pick Georgia Tech over Florida State quite yet, even though they actually did beat them. Yeah. I'm not sure I would predict it to happen more times than not. I actually love I, – I, you know, I was kind of with you. Uh, I don't see necessarily a clear-cut winner. I would – if you, you know, put a gun to my head and said make a, make a bet, I'd say, okay, well, I'm going to bet on Florida State because I do think if – they're playing their best. They could beat anyone in the conference. Georgia Tech is really hot. The fighting uh, past nerve visors. Um, so I, I would tend to do the same the same matchup you guys did, but I don't want to do that because I, I don't I don't want to I want to be boring like that. How about uh, maybe Louisville makes a little bit of a run? Maybe they can get to the finals. Um, they would have to upset Florida State to do so. Uh, you know, obviously, assuming they beat the Duke Boston College winner. So, I, I mean, for the finals, if, if you're going to make me choose a, a winner, I'll, I'll choose Florida State. But how about let me go a little different? What about uh, Virginia versus Virginia Tech in the finals? We'll see. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be one of the more interesting. ACC tournaments we've ever seen because there's really isn't that those that team or, or teams that's just so far above the others that you just assume that they're gonna make it so a lot of variance as they say right yeah I could not wait to see a Virginia versus Virginia Tech championship matchup for my just for my Twitter timeline solely because they've some of the most <laughs> vibrant fan bases and they love to get on each other's nerves, that would just be phenomenal to just just watch even Twitter. Much less the game would be great. But How about this for, for those that are just uh, dead set on Florida State winning it all? Florida State this year, 12-1 and one at home, 3-4 and four when not at home. So, yeah, something to think about. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, they have been having fans, so they do have that as a – minor impact so it it's not just a fluke i mean i do believe that trend but 
I, you brought up Virginia Tech. I do like that. I think you get some value in the Hokies at the three spot in the tournament. Yeah, they're definitely being overlooked here, right? Yeah. You no, know, you probably if you if you had futures bets, you'd probably have you know eighty percent, seventy five percent on Florida State, huge percentage of, of the remaining on Virginia, and probably just sprinkling on the last maybe maybe a few Georgia Tech Flyers, but Hokies definitely being overlooked a little bit. I don't think the Hokies are the best team in the conference in terms of true talent, but I think that. Perhaps if they played a couple more games, they could have competed for that regular season conference title. So you never know. What about a low seed value pick though? We discussed our championship picks. We discussed some of our mid-tier dark horses. What about, I don't know, maybe an eight seed or lower that you think could win a couple games, get to that final four, knock somebody off, make some noise. Hey, I'll keep riding with the Wolfpack, right? They're ninth seed. I have them as my pipe lock pick. Knock off Syracuse, knock off Virginia. Maybe you make may, maybe you make the dance. That that puts you at seven wins in a row. They might need three wins to get in, but you know, obviously, it's going to depend. Some of it's going to be contingent on what's going on around the the country. But hey, NC State, let's let's see where it goes. Yeah, NC State would be a good pick for me. I agree. I think they've really come along lately and can make a run the tournament. Um, they've figured out life without Devin Daniels. And, yeah, if they win a couple games, like we've said a couple times, they could be sneaking into that dance. But my other pick would be Notre Dame, just an underperforming team, lots of potential with their offense. I mean, yeah, with their defense is not good. But we saw their offensive potential with them beating Florida State, so maybe they could. Yeah. Let's take a look at the bracket. They have UNC early, so that's a potential win. I don't know. I would give like 65-35 in terms of percentage in favor of the Tar Heels, but that I don't know. There's, there's definitely something that's going to happen in this ACC tournament. We're not going to see the final four of one, two, three, and four. Something's yeah. going to happen. It's just a matter of what. A lot of intrigue. Yeah. That being said, is there anything else that you wanted to deliver to the people before we hop off for the night? I just uh, encourage everyone to check out uh, Dan's article on ACC awards. It's a really good read, really good uh, article to kind of sum up the year. And also definitely check out his other article where he talked about, um, and we mentioned it last pod, the seniors so it's, it's good as as we kick off some of the seniors play in their final ACC tournament it's good to kind of reminisce about them and and, and a lot of the uh, impact plays that they've made and, and impact games that they've had throughout their careers yeah uh, those are definitely spends a lot of time on that so I'll second that please check that out I'll link them to the the description of the podcast but yeah um it's been good Jason Thank you very much, and uh, we'll see you next time on the Pipeline ACC Podcast. The ball is ticked, and there you are. 
You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it's your 